We live in a time of tremendous opportunity for innovators, entrepreneurs, and those with skill and imagination. But it seems at every turn, there are forces that slow us down or get us off track. I believe you can trigger your independence and lead a flourishing life, be free to choose, and live according to your own values. Join us in a conversation about big ideas in life, liberty, and the pursuit of your happiness. Welcome to The John Riley Project. Hey, everybody, how you doing? And welcome to the John Riley Project. It's Wednesday. It's hump day. It's um, I guess we could almost say that we're celebrating Independence Day here in California. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to talk about independence. We're going to talk about California's reopening today. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about Juneteenth, um, which is coming up on June 19th. We'll kind of re-explain that holiday and what it all is about. And then I'd like to do a little bit of a deep dive on some of the work that I'm doing to help sort of define the mission statement of the John Riley Project, because it's, I've been kind of morphing this project quite a bit, and I want to share with you really how I see this moving forward. Um, so thanks again for joining us. You know, we're doing a live stream um, on Facebook and YouTube. That means I welcome your thoughts and comments. So feel free to type those in in Facebook or YouTube. I'll see them on my screen here. I'll read them on the air and we'll have a dialogue. Um, but let's let's get into this. Um, you know, first of all, California is reopened. And I guess it really it started yesterday. And I don't know if you're noticing it. You go around town and and there's a lot less people wearing masks. And, you know, we, it's been sort of leading up to this for quite a while that we're starting to see more freedom and a, a sort of return to normalcy to a degree. Right. And already, you know, Gavin Newsom and a lot of other political leaders in California, including here in San Diego. I saw the Board of Supervisors, Nathan Fletcher, doing a big ribbon-cutting ceremony. I mean, a lot of these uh, government leaders are really taking a victory lap right now, celebrating the reopening of California, and the Democrats in particular um, have been really kind of patting themselves on the back, right? Um, Particularly when it comes to President Biden and the work that he pushed forward to get people vaccinated and really making that a high priority. And I got to give Biden credit for that. I'm not a Joe Biden fan, but he was pushing for the vaccine. And, you know, whether you are a supporter of the vaccine or not, I know there's a lot of people that aren't. I am a supporter of the vaccine. I think I'm better off as a result. And then really, you you see some of the stats, like the number of people that are in hospitals right now with COVID. I think it's something like 97 percent of them are unvaccinated, which kind of makes sense. So now as more and more people are vaccinated, we're coming out of this. And and I think there is a reason to celebrate. But, you know, remember they said in the very beginning, you know, only 14 days to flatten the curve. Well, it's been 453 days. I mean, this has gone on way too long, in my opinion. Um, we've seen an erosion of our liberties, of our rights as we've gone through this. And sure, it's a pandemic. And sure, we have to take necessary precaution. But in my opinion, it was way too heavy handed. And a lot of this could have been avoided. 
But still, you know, the, the economy is not fully reopened. They, like, you like to hear, especially our Democratic friends, our left-leaning friends, they like to say, boy, it's it's a return to normal. Feels great, right? And, oh, love Joe Biden, and, and we're getting back to normal, and California is fully reopening. But it's not fully reopening. I mean, let's really look at reality, at, at what the reality is. And masks are still mandated in a lot of cases, like on public transportation. If you're on a bus or a train, you have to wear a mask. Um, if you're in a hospital, in an indoor hospital facility, you need to wear a mask. Now, granted, a lot of people in hospitals already wear masks. And that makes sense. I mean, that's where there's sick people there and there's vulnerable people there. So that makes sense that a mask mandate would, would probably still exist in the hospitals. And frankly, I think even without this this mandate from the state of California, I'd imagine most hospitals be doing this independently on their own anyways. Um, but uh, jails still require masks, you know, um, and uh, so does K through 12 schools and even child care centers. So there still are government mandates for masks in certain categories. Um, also, if you go to an indoor public gathering with 5,000 or more people, let's say you go to a rock concert or you go, you know, to some you know, major convention, you know, it's going to have over 5,000 people. They have, um, there's a mandate to have vaccine verification for those kinds of, of events. Um, so that's interesting to me. I know that people are really excited for live music to come back, right? And people want to see, uh, again, this return to normalcy, but are they going to be doing the vaccine passport thing to get into, you know, Viejas Arena or to get into the San Diego Sports Arena for a concert. I mean, what's it going to be? This is going to be interesting. And then, of course, for an outdoor event of over 10,000 people, there is a recommendation um, to to check for vaccine, uh, to vaccine cards, essentially. And I know this is a big deal for Padre fans. You know, Petco Park is going to be reopening Tomorrow on Thursday is they are calling it the San Diego opening day and they they are able to have full capacity at Petco Park, which I think is terrific. And it's outdoors. So the risk is minimal. And especially as we're on the downside of this, as more and more people are vaccinated, the risk is, of course, a lot lower. And then we've already learned from the science that when you're outdoors, the mask is really has only minimal effect. And, and then, of course, if you're vaccinated, it has almost no effect when you're outdoors. So at least we're starting to see some of this finally roll out. Again, I think this Independence Day for California could have been a lot sooner. Um but businesses still, you know, they can establish their own independent policy. So I know that if we walk into a Target or a Costco, you know, there's someone at the front door making sure you wore a mask prior to June 15th. Now, what are they doing? I mean, have you been in any of the stores? I'd be interested in your thoughts and comments. So feel free to share here on the live stream. Earlier today, I went to visit my friend Dennis at the Postal Annex here in Poway, right next door to Target. Uh, Dennis is a great guy. And 
and his t- he and his team were not wearing masks any longer. And, and it feels great. I mean, you know, they, they, Dennis is the kind of guy who follows the law. He goes by the book. And the minute this was um, Independence Day in California, he shed his mask. And one of his co-workers was commenting, her name is Sissy, and she was commenting how it's nice to see people's smiling faces again. And yeah, I'll bet that's a big deal. I mean, especially if you work in retail, you can now suddenly see people and start to redevelop those relationships in the business world that are so important, that are so powerful. Um, you know, we, we've talked with, um, uh, you know, so many business people that really have been displaced, have been disrupted by this COVID virus and you know, even guys like Mike Ryan, maybe Mike Ryan's been a guest on this podcast numerous times. He works down at the Albertsons um, just down the road from me. Um, and grocery stores have been probably the most, you know, important places where there have been mask requirements. Now it's going to be interesting to see how some of these businesses, if they are fully um, relaxing their mandates, just letting customers or employees wear masks optionally. But for a guy like Mike Ryan, who runs the produce section of the Albertsons here in Rancho Bernardo, he has close personal relationships with his customers. They're his friends. They're kind of like an extended family. Now, without the mask, I think those relationships are going to be reaffirmed, rekindled, uh, reappreciated. So I think this is really, really cool. I mean, this is an important time. Um, A good friend of mine lives up in the North Beach area of San Francisco, and last night he was sharing with me that he was kind of curious to see how much the uh, the restaurants and bars in the North Beach neighborhood, how much they have been opening up. And he went for a walk. I think it was around 730 or 8 o'clock. And already, you know, some of the bars and restaurants were filling up. Um, others were not quite as full, you know, because I know there's still a lot of precaution. There's still a lot of people that are not fully at ease with this Independence Day. There's people that are still nervous. There are still people that are fearful. I've seen some commentary here in our local community on Facebook. People asking the question, is June 15th the right time or maybe is it a little too soon? I mean, rarely do they ask you, is it too late? (laughs) Have we wait? Have we dragged this on way too long? It's funny how that question doesn't get asked very often. But there are still a lot of people that are still nervous. In some cases, they're not vaccinated for any variety of reasons. So there's Mike Ryan on the live stream. Roar! Heart of the Lion, Mike Ryan chiming in on the live stream. Just talking about you, Mike. Um, Over at Albertsons, redeveloping relationships with your customers now that the masks are no longer required. What's going on at Albertsons? Do you guys still have a mask mandate for customers and for employees? I mean, what's the new rule since... California Independence Day started yesterday. Kind of curious to what you have to say. Um, But yeah, there's still a lot of people that are fearful. And, you know, the the thing is, is that if you are fearful, then you can take the necessary precautions. You can stay at home. You can wear a mask. You can wear a shield. You can get vaccinated. And if there are certain situations that prevent you from getting vaccinated, well, you know, you can stay at home and protect yourself that way. You still have options. Um, but I, I contend that it never really should have come to this. I mean, what, 453 days? It's been a year and 
a quarter, 1.25 years this thing has gone on. I mean, it's, we've seen it just an outright violation of our liberties. I mean, people that have been, have seen their businesses evaporate, seen people with their businesses restricted, hands tied behind their back, restaurants being given all these crazy rules. You can open. No, you got to close. No, you can open, but it needs to be takeout. Oh, wait, you can do outdoors. Oh, no, and you can't do outdoors anymore. I mean, these businesses have been getting jacked around. Um, We're seeing people that as a result of this have lost their job. People that have been, you know, there have been curfews. There have been stay-at-home orders, which you could argue is a violation of our liberties, right? You know, America is supposed to be about freedom. Now, they're celebrating, you know, now they're, they're celebrating COVID Independence Day. But those state officials should never have taken away our freedoms in the first place. They should have certainly led from the bully pulpit and encouraged vaccination, encouraged social distancing, encouraged mask wearing. But they never should have mandated it, especially as the science became more thoroughly understood. And we knew that when you're outdoors, the risk is almost nil. But yet they kept a lot of those heavy handed mandates in place. Mike Ryan on the live stream chiming in, supposedly, as long as you are vaccinated, um, you are welcome to shop in our stores without a mask. Employees are still required to wear masks. Okay, I get that. You want to give your customers probably a little more leeway than you will your employees. I'd imagine at some point, the employees will probably have that lifted, especially if they're vaccinated. You know, perhaps they might have to show proof of vaccination to their employer. But sometimes some of these companies, maybe they might keep a mask mandate strictly as a PR tool to demonstrate to their customers that they're trying to be as safe as possible. But still, that's only going to last for so long. Uh, but it's really interesting. I'm uh, now, of course, I mean, we you know I'm armchair quarterback, armchair quarterbacking this, but a lot of this problem could have been severely mitigated early on if they would have allowed testing. But you know, testing kits were banned, and that was part of the Trump fiasco. They wouldn't allow testing ki- kits to come in from other nations. There was, you know, the, the there there could have been a process to get testing kits into the hands of people. And, and as a result of that, there could have been quarantining or even self-quarantining if you knew you were positive. There could have been a process for that. But the horses got out of the barn and the virus spread. And then, you know, essentially control was lost. And that's what we experienced. Um, but the whole process does kind of make you wonder about the proper role of government. Right. Um, is government does it government exist to keep us safe? Is does government exist to minimize our risk? Does government exist to save every life? Or does government exist to secure our inalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness? If you watch this podcast or listen very often, you know where I stand. Um, I thought that these mandates, again, were so heavy handed. So now the politicians are doing these ribbon cutting ceremonies and they, they kind of want us to sort of high five them, to sort of congratulate them. I've seen headlines that Gavin Newsom's future political prospects are looking up because you know he's going to run for president at some day, at some point. 
And I think that was part of the calculation on why the restrictions were so heavy handed, because he didn't want to risk any potential hiccup that he could be blamed for a lot of people dying because he knows that would kill his his future as a politician. So, you know, we're celebrating COVID Independence Day. It happened yesterday. It's a big deal. Uh, And I'm happy as hell we're here finally. And I think, you know, I I can't encourage it enough. Get a get a vaccine, a vaccination, get the vaccine. I got the Johnson and Johnson. I was one and done. Got that in early April, if I recall. And I'm, I'm good for that. You know, I mean, I'm a believer in the science. Uh, the vaccine has proven to be extraordinarily effective, not only against the core virus, but against all the variants. It's not a perfect solution, but it's darn, darn, darn good. And in my opinion, it's a great risk uh, management tool to protect yourself. I'm, I've often said getting a vaccine is selfish, because it's for protecting your own self-interest, right? Um, so I can't encourage it enough. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about, um, that was COVID. I want to get into just touch on Juneteenth, and then I want to do a little bit of a deep dive on the John Riley Project mission statement exercise I've been going through lately. So first of all, Juneteenth, you're probably thinking, what in that? Maybe you're hearing more about Juneteenth these days, Right. But still, for a lot of people, they never even heard of this holiday. What is Juneteenth? And what a silly name, Juneteenth. Like, it shouldn't it be the 15th or the 16th or the 19th? What's going on? Well, let's break it down again just to kind of bring everyone up to speed. Juneteenth, of course, is the day that the final batch of slaves in America after the Civil War finally got the word from Washington, D.C., that they were free. And these were the slaves that were in the most southern part of Texas. You know, word didn't travel very quickly in 1865. I think, when, when was the telegraph invented? I think it was after 1865, wasn't it? So that would have had, word would have had to travel by Pony Express, would have had to travel by word of mouth. And that's when the last batch of people that were enslaved finally got the message that they were free, that they would they were no longer slaves. Um, this is a huge holiday. I had never heard of it. It was never explained to me in my education, in both parochial and in government schools. I went to a public high school and Catholic first through eighth grade. Never even heard of Juneteenth. Have you? But it wasn't until the 1990s when I was working for a company here in San Diego and one of my employees was a a young man in his 20s who was black from Oceanside, great young man. And he was telling me that, I asked him, what are you doing this week? And he goes, oh, I'm going to a Juneteenth celebration. I'm like, Juneteenth, what, what's that? And I remember he explained it to me. And it was still seemed odd. I didn't really fully understand it. Now I get it. Um, not, not only do I, I mean, it's, it's easy to understand really what it is, right? Where the slaves were finally, they finally got the message that the last slaves were free. But the true power of it is that this, this is a holiday that it's shameful that it's being 
kept behind the curtain that had been swept under the rug. Juneteenth is arguably a second American Independence Day. It's it's the independence of the slaves, the the, the concluding crescendo of the the legal independence of the slaves. It's a big moment. Because you know the Emancipation Proclamation was stated during the middle of the Civil War. There was all kinds of other things going on. And then the Civil War concluded and there was still you know, there was a big mess in the South. A lot of reconstruction was necessary. But just to finally get to the point to say all the slaves are free and every one of them has been essentially given their freedom. The freedom that really was their inalienable right in the first place that was taken away. Now, they finally were able to experience, not to the perfect degree, but to a much greater degree, our inalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So this, Juneteenth is a huge day. It's it's June 19th. So today is the 16th. So June 19th, I think that's Saturday. So I would hope that you you would see Juneteenth as a, as a second Independence Day and really something that really should be taught in schools. I'm sure the, the critical race theory people definitely want to see this in the education curriculum. But, you know, regardless of what your agenda is, you know, as it pertains to race, this is really a core ideal of what America is supposed to represent. Independence, freedom. And I know I, I so I, I, I would really strongly recommend that besides getting the vaccine is to really solemnly reflect on Juneteenth the same way we reflect on a lot of other important holidays. I mean, Memorial Day, Independence Day, Thanksgiving, all have deep meanings. Juneteenth really deserves that same degree of depth of meaning, in my opinion. So that's coming up Saturday the 19th. So I, I just wanted to share that and reinforce that point. Uh, Mike Ryan goes on to say, Newsom has a major asterisk from all the businesses being closed. Yeah, the, the, the uh, COVID mandates were way the hell too heavy handed. And then, by the way, after the restaurants were closed, we saw Gavin Newsom at a dinner party at the French Laundry, that upscale um, you know, restaurant. He was a hypocrite, violating his own law, his own rules. There's the big recall that's coming, right? And I'm sure getting to this Independence Day is a big deal for Gavin Newsom. So when it comes time to vote on the recall, at least he's in the clear. Um, now, is Gavin Newsom going to be recalled in the state of California? Highly unlikely. Highly unlikely. California is overwhelmingly blue. And there, and there's sure there's, I mean, all the Republicans would love to have him recalled. All the Trump people love to have him recalled. And I'm sure a lot of independents and maybe even some Democrats would recall Gavin Newsom, but it still won't be enough. I don't think. Uh, and a lot of people wonder who's going to replace him if there is a recall. Of course, all the media attention is on Caitlyn Jenner. You know, Bruce Jenner, now Caitlyn Jenner. Um, 
mostly because of her unique story. You know, the gold medal winner of the 1976 Montreal Olympics in the decathlon, arguably the world's greatest athlete in 1976, now transgender, and now entering the world of politics, fighting for traditional Republican ideals. And of course, the media is is all over Caitlyn Jenner. But Caitlyn Jenner only has like, I think I saw in the last poll, only 7% of the, of the voters that will vote for a recall will support Caitlyn Jenner. Um, 28% will vote for former San Diego mayor, Kevin Faulkner. And the other, and also at 28%, uh, will vote for John Cox, you know, the businessman, the former, the previous uh, challenger to Gavin Newsom for governor. And remember, he, I think he lives in Rancho Santa Fe, but he's the guy who goes touring around California with an actual bear making you know, bringing a circus to the circus of politics. Um, it's something. I, you know, I, I, I often commented, I say what you will about Kevin Faulkner. I think there's some things that he's worthy of praise. There's other things that you can criticize him on, but he deserves way more attention in this. I mean, he's a legit, credible candidate. He's the mayor of the former mayor of San Diego. Um, the mayor of, what are we, the sixth largest city in the United States? The second largest city in the state of California. And he was also a mayor that was a Republican in a city that voted Democratic. So a mayor of a big city that wasn't, say, a hardcore right winger, that was known to work across the aisle and work with Democrats to come up with solutions. I think Kevin Faulkner deserves way the hell more attention. But of course, the media has a love affair with Caitlyn Jenner to the point that a lot of Democrats are mocking the whole recall, saying, well, geez, if Caitlyn Jenner is the best that the Republicans can do, you know, someone with zero political experience, you know, again, the media just distorts this so much. So again, I don't think Gavin Newsom is going to be recalled. But I look forward to the election. I like to see holding them accountable. We'll see what happens. Uh, Mike Ryan says, don't have to be a Trump supporter to want Newsom recalled. Okay, that's me too. I'm not a Trump supporter, but I would like to see Newsom recalled. It makes no difference what side you're on. If you believe this politician is in the wrong, right, left, liberal, conservative, right is wrong, uh, right is right and wrong is wrong. Californians need to work together at doing the right thing. Yeah. Yeah, I think he was way the hell too heavy-handed in um, a lot of these policies. So we're celebrating COVID Independence Day in California. That has started yesterday. Um, Juneteenth is coming up Saturday, arguably our second Independence Day in the state of California. So independence, pretty interesting word. Now, I'm gonna, I want to talk a little bit about the mission statement that I've been working on for the John Riley Project. I want to share with you kind of my thought process, kind of where I am in this process. I'm, of course, interested in your feedback. Um, you know, I, I mentioned in the previous podcast, I'm working on re- revising my website, particularly my front page, to kind of better express 
what this project is really about. And I'll tell you, you know, I do these podcasts. I, I write blogs. I do a lot of other things. In many ways, they are extensions of the business that I have. In other ways, it's just my own interests, my own self-expression, my own, my own almost like a glorified hobby, right? And I've been wanting to get more of a crystal clear mission of what this project is really about because I can better articulate it to you. But more importantly, I can better articulate it to myself. So it can help give me greater focus on the kinds of things that I do moving forward. And I really wanted to do this in conjunction with upgrading the front page of my website where I can really kind of communicate those ideas. So I thought this would be a fun opportunity to talk about mission statements, talk about vision statements and what they are and how they're different. And I think this exercise of talking about mission statements is really, really important. And I know in some companies it's almost mocked like, oh, some mission statement, just some mumbo jumbo from some corporate people. But if you take your mission statement seriously, this is something that can really define your go forward strategy as a company. You know, we talked about in a previous podcast, the power of saying no. That was Johnny's rules for life number two. And Steve Jobs, I quoted him in that podcast where he said, in deciding how to go forward as a business, it was important for them to say no to lots of good ideas until they can vi- finally say yes to the right one. Because you have to wait to find the right idea that not only is something that you can capitalize and serve customers and make money with, but it needs to be something that is aligned with what your company's purpose is, what your mission is. So, I mean, to me, this is really powerful. So what is a mission statement? A mission statement is an action-oriented current purpose of an organization. I mean, it basically defines what you're doing. I mean, what's your purpose to be on this planet? Um, it tells you know people what you want to achieve, who you support, and why you support them. It's a roadmap. Your mission statement is kind of like your roadmap. It kind of tells you the direction that you're going in. Um, it's also consistent with what you want your brand to be. What your business's brand is kind of is essentially your cause, what you're holding the the flag for and what you're charging down uh, the path on what what your cause, what your that's what your mission is. You know, I I read recently a book from a guy you maybe you've heard of him. His name's Hotep Jesus. He is a very interesting guy. Um, He is uh, um, a a Twitter celebrity, um, but also has a lot of really interesting comments um, on politics, on culture. And he put out a book talking about how to dominate on Twitter. And I bought the book. It's an ebook. It was like 47 bucks. And it was really, really good. And he talked a lot about in that book about really identifying what your cause is And then making, in this case, when you're expressing yourself on social media, to have that content to be consistent with what that cause is, which essentially kind of reinforces and solidifies your brand. But what is your cause? Your cause is your mission. I mean, those are kind of interchangeable ideas. So, um, and a mission, by the way, is not something that is locked in stone. A mission can change. I mean, businesses will shift their mission depending on how the business evolves. 
And it's something that is fair to adjust from time to time, now, not month to month, probably not even year to year, but maybe once every three to five years, it makes sense to take a healthy look at what a mission statement is. So what are some examples of really good mission statements? Google has a really good one. To organize the world's information and make it universally accessible and useful. Perfect, right? Clean, succinct, and basically says this is what they're put on the planet to do. To organize the world's information and make it universally accessible and useful. How about Life is Good? You ever seen that clothing company, Life is Good? You'll see there, they have t-shirts with like a smiley face on, and they, they were really popular, I remember, about 10 years ago. I haven't seen much of them lately, but that brand was really powerful there for a while. And what is their message? What is their mission statement? And it is to, to spread the power of optimism. That's good. Now, again, it sounds kind of a little bit touchy-feely, right? It doesn't sound as concrete, but if their mission is to spread the power of optimism, you could see how that not only empowers the kind of clothing that they come up with and the designs that they create, but that can really expand beyond clothing. They're not limited as a clothing company. They want to just continue to express the power of optimism. And that can be transformed and, and, and configured in many different ways. But I think that's still a very powerful message because it keeps them on track. It gives them a, a reason to say no to other bad ideas or other good ideas. It has to be consistent with the mission. Um, Patagonia, we know them. That's another clothing company. Build the best product. Cause no unnecessary harm. Use business to inspire and implement solutions to the environmental crisis. So it's kind of a long mission statement, but basically they're wrapping themselves up in this whole environmentalism and they come out with quality products. And when you think of Patagonia, don't you think of a company that is very aware of climate change, aware of pollution, aware of taking care of the planet, for sure. And Patagonia also you think of as expensive and, and definitely higher quality clothing, for sure. Um, Nordstrom, another great mission statement. We all know Nordstrom, and that is to give customers the most compelling shopping experience possible. Most compelling shopping experience possible. So they're not telling you that their, their products are really good. They just want that experience to be so powerful. That's why Nordstrom really has staked their claim on customer service. One of my clients is a company here in San Diego called Bicycle Warehouse. And in the early days of that company, their mission statement was to really be the Home Depot of bicycles, but with a Nordstrom customer service model. That was kind of the idea that they had. And they've largely lived that out in many ways. Um, so that customer experience, I think that's why so many people love Nordstrom and still do to this day. Um, so yeah, to give customers the most compelling shopping experience possible. How about the mission statement of Tesla? To accelerate the world's transition to sustainable energy. That's a great one too. I mean, it has so many different meanings to accelerate the world's transition to sustainable energy. It doesn't say that they're a car company. 
It says accelerate, which kind of has a, a kind of a shout out to cars, but it's really to accelerate the movement, right? Of the transition of the world's transition. So they're a change agent, which empowers them and a transition to sustainable energy. And that makes sense because it's sort of consistent with what they're doing with Solar City, right? With all the solar panels they create. And I've even heard some people comment that Tesla's main objective is to be a battery manufacturer. Cars just happen to be the product that uses that battery today. But their longer term goal is not as a car company, but as a battery company. And to me, that's an interesting thought. Um, a friend of mine told me that about a year and a half ago. Is that true? I don't know. But their mission statement certainly is consistent with that to accelerate the world's transition to sustainable energy. And then how about the company? Well, it's really, is it a company? You know, TED, T-E-D, they're the ones that you have the people that are up on stage and they give like a 10 minute talk. And you see the videos on YouTube all the time. And a lot of them are really good. And what's their mission statement? Spread ideas. That's it. Just spread ideas. And that's good. I mean, that's really good. That's really powerful. Now, these are all mission statements. These are action-oriented, describing your current purpose of what your business does, what you're doing right now. Now, there's also companies have what they call a vision statement, which is another part of this exercise. And sometimes people get them confused. Mission statement, vision statement, what is this? Well, the vision statement is where the company aspires to be after it's achieved its mission. So it's kind of like that question, where do you see yourself in five to 10 years, right? It's what is this future projection of the world that exists when the mission of your company has been successful? Um, it describes where you're going and the impact you wish to have in the world around you. So one, one of the um, great examples is Microsoft. You know, at the very, very beginning, Microsoft's vision statement was a computer on every desk and in every home. That, that's a really big vision statement, isn't it? Because Microsoft started in the mid to late 1970s. That's when personal computers were just starting. I mean, that's when Radio Shack had the TRS-80. Remember that? The Trash-80. Um, that's when the IBM PC, I think, came out in like 81, maybe the Mac and the original Macintosh, wasn't that like in 79, something like that? Um, I remember even in the late 1980s, I was, no, even, not the late 80s, really in the very early 1990s, I was working for a company and it was a Japanese software company. And we had, um, we had employees in Tokyo and in San Diego it's funny. Is there, there are like 85 in, in our Tokyo office and five in our San Diego office. I was the only person that wasn't Japanese. You talk about, you know, these issues about people feeling uncomfortable in a um, when you're a different culture, a different looking person. You speak a different language. I live that. I remember being in my office here in San Diego. Everyone would speak in Japanese. I didn't understand a, a word they were saying. And 
sometimes I'd hear them talking and they'd be going, blah, 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 John, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I'm like, what? What are you talking about? It was funny. Uh, but I learned Jap- some Japanese as a result of that, and I'm better off for it. It was a great experience. But I remember when I was working there talking about this idea that we're going to have personal computers in our home. And this is like 1990, 1991. And PCs were really gaining power in the business world. You know, networks and Novell Network and, you know, a lot of those pers- those local area networks were get- gathering steam. But I remember thinking that these are going to be in the homes for sure. That's where we were going. But my Japanese coworker said, no way, that'll never happen. And they were looking at it from their approach um, as a business in Tokyo. And then look where we are now. Pretty interesting. So I think Microsoft's vision from the early, from, the, from their beginning this idea of a computer on every desk and in every home has has been achieved. So I'm, I, I'd be fun to go back and look at Microsoft and what their updated mission and vision statements were. Here's another really obvious one, like the Alzheimer's Association, a world without Alzheimer's disease. I mean, that's a perfect vision statement for them, right? That's their future aspiration, a world without Alzheimer's. And then Southwest Airlines. We all know Southwest, right? Uh, their vision statement is... To be the world's most loved, most efficient, and most profitable airline. All right. And you could tell that they, they definitely aspire to that. You know, they, they're definitely a low-cost uh, leader. They, their flight attendants typically have a little more fun than a lot of the other flight attendants. You know, the fact that they're highly profitable, good for them. Uh, but that's their vision statement. So a vision statement is something you aspire to be in the future. So it got me thinking about my project, the John Riley Project, and really, what is my mission? What is my mission statement? And, you know, I started this podcast in the fall of 2018. And originally, it was just a podcast. And I said, well, I just want to have interesting conversations because I had watched the Rubin Report, and really like what Dave Rubin was doing, interviewing guests. I learned a lot from a lot of his guests. And then I you know, started listening to Joe Rogan. I started expanding my mind with podcasts. And I, saw, I thought to myself, this is something I can do, especially if we interview really interesting people in my hometown, local government officials, candidates running for office, I thought would be a no-brainer because candidates running for office are always looking for exposure. And sure enough, that's how we got this thing started. Um, I remember that November 2018 cycle. I think we interviewed over two-thirds of the candidates that ran for Poway Mayor, Poway City Council, and Poway School Board. I was really proud of that. And a lot of our viewers and our listeners really, really enjoyed it. I mean, they were educated on what these political candidates were bringing to the table, what their vision was, what their policies and platform happened to be. And they got to understand them at a really deep personal level. They, they understood how their mind worked, what made them tick, what their morals and values were. I was very proud of that. And then, you know, after that, we kind of, you know, came out of the political season and I did a few independent solo podcasts, but not too many. I was really focused in the beginning on interviewing guests. But then I wanted to, I began to see this podcast more than just interviewing politicians and maybe even more than just interviewing 
entrepreneurs and community activists and athletes, which we had already done. And I started doing more of these solo podcasts. And I really began to embrace the whole topic of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I repeat it all the time in this podcast because I think those are really important ideals. And a lot of the content that I share in this podcast pivots off of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I mean, that's why we're talking about COVID Independence Day and why we're talking about Juneteenth, right? Because those are linked to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And so the podcast at that point became almost a form of self-expression. And it was very fulfilling. And and this is still extremely fulfilling for me. Um, And then during COVID, it got a little more tricky because I couldn't have guests in-house. And then I had to figure out a way to do the podcast on a live stream with my guest remote. And then I opened it up to people like you that are listening or watching on YouTube and on Facebook. And we now we have a little bit of an interactive podcast, which I'm very proud of. But I, I began experimenting with different ideas and different topics and different formats. There was still a lot of pursuit of happiness conversation, pursuit of what other people are doing to pursue their happiness. That's why Pete Neal, a frequent guest, would a lot of times talk about the things that made him happy, especially his Corvette Calypso. But then we talked a lot about self-improvement, which again is consistent with taking our lives seriously, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But now what? So, I mean, at some point, I don't want this just to be a platform of me to be self-expressive. I mean, that's it's nice. It's fun. I enjoy it. I enjoy talking and sharing. But I wanted it to be more than that. Um, Because I think it can be more than that. Um, I wanted to find a way to integrate this with my business, but do it in a way that that was natural and was a proper flow that wasn't so disruptive. Um, And I really wanted it to be, yeah, valuable, that I would deliver value, that I would educate people. That's especially important to me. Um, and that I would provide more inspirational content that would motivate people to to believe in themselves and to go out in the world and pursue their happiness. So I want to have more of that educational, inspirational content so that it's not just me yakking about the latest political news, but that it's actually delivering real value to the listeners and viewers, and not just personal development, but also business development, skill development. And part of that's why the reason I'm going through this mission statement and vision statement discussion with you, because I think this has an educational component for, um, for those of you in the audience that are listening and watching. But it's also important to me, because I'm trying to explain where we're coming from with this podcast and really not just the podcast, but the project more broadly. So, you know, in this in that second phase and where kind of I am now is this whole idea of, you know, helping people pursue those ideals of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So, but what is the mission statement of the John Riley Project, right? I mean, Google said, what was Google? Google's mission was to organize the world's information and make it universally accessible and useful. Tesla, to accelerate the world's transition to sustainable ideas, to sustainable energy, excuse me. 
what's the John Riley Project mission statement? Well, then I really kind of broke it down this way. I asked myself these four fundamental questions. What do I do? Number one, how do I do it? Number two. Number three, who do I do it for? And number four, what's the value that I bring? And I wanted to answer those questions and then work on capturing that in in a succinct mission statement. The more succinct, the better. So it's really clear. And so I asked myself, you know, what do I do? And I'm... I'm, you know, I'm, what am I doing? I'm doing a podcast. I'm, I'm doing blogging. I'm, I'm working on a lot of other aspects of this thing, but ultimately it's education. That's what I'm doing. It's, and, and, and I need to do it better, <laughs> but ultimately education is what this is about. And it's education on skill development in the business world, but also education on self-improvement. Education is really the kind of content that I need to provide. That's what I do. And I use current events. If I'm, if I'm effective in doing it, I'll use the current event as the hook to attract an audience. But it's all going to funnel back to education. Today's hook was the Cal- California Independence Day. But you, you'll notice the theme is independence. Independence from the COVID shutdowns. Independence for Juneteenth. And and just wait where we're going with this. So education is what I do. Um, in the context of John Riley Project, I mean, I have my own business. That's separate. All right. My own business has its own mission statement. But this John Riley Project, it's it, what I do is education. How do I do it? Well, I do it through two two channels. One is through innovative digital platforms, right? I do the podcast. I do blogs. I do videos. I'm going to start doing digital training. And then I also use more traditional channels, or I hope to use more traditional channels to go and pursue public speaking opportunities and maybe to write a book. But all of that consistent with education. Now, I will say that if I do this right, this is going to have a cascading impact on my business because th- all of this educational content is a form of content marketing that can generate leads for my business of which I can monetize. And so this indirectly helps my business. But its main objective is to educate people. And that educational component, that educational mission I think can also be monetized with digital courses, with a book, with public speaking. There's an opportunity to monetize it there. So what do I do? Education. How do I do it? Through innovative digital channels and through traditional channels like public speaking and like writing a book. Who do I do it for? Who's my audience for this? Well, business people. Certainly, seeking innovative growth strategies, definitely. That's what I do in my business life. And a lot of the content I'm providing right now, this mission vision statement piece is consistent with that ideal. But we're going to get a lot more technical in our future and talk a little bit more about these innovative ideas 
these technologies that can help businesses grow. Secondly, who do we do it for? Well, certainly aspiring entrepreneurs that want to get in the game. People that maybe have this dream of starting their own business, but don't know how to get started. The people that want to not just start a digital business, but also scale it. That's who I'm doing it for as well. And then finally, there's, there's benefit even outside the world of business, just individuals that are seeking new ideas or just want to escape from old paradigms. They want to see new ways of thinking, more of an independent mindset that can educate them on a personal level. And that's why I talk a lot about, we've talked a lot about self-improvement, self-esteem in this podcast. And so I said, okay, you know, there's benefit to business people, but to individuals. Like, okay. So what do I do? It's education. How do we do it? Innovative uh, digital channels and traditional channels. Who do we do it for? Established business people that want to innovate and grow, aspiring entrepreneurs, and even for individuals that are seeking a new mindset. And what value do we bring? Empowerment of the individual, for sure. No doubt. By With skill development, with self um with self-help, with self-improvement, I think we can empower individuals. We can also provide a degree of, yes, independence. And we talked about California's Independence Day. We talked about Juneteenth as the second Independence Day in America, it should be. A lot of these ideas that I express in this podcast if they're taken to their full conclusion, this is a, a way to, to generate independence, um, independence from working for the man, independence by setting up your own business, independence, gaining independence from old ideas or old ways of doing business and, and seeking new innovative ways of doing business or seeing the world that positions you in, in, with more control of your world and ultimately more power for yourself. So it's, it is a degree of independence is, is part of the value. And then, of course, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, that all kind of fits, too. So I was really thinking this through. And I'll tell you, the, the big breakthrough for me is understanding that John Riley Project is really about education. Because I've tried a lot of other little things to figure out how to monetize that. But just to really just say it that cleanly that this is a project that's really about educating the audience in the business world and in your personal world. But you know what? This project, I've told you before, is just about as much as it is for me as it is for you. I'm almost like a customer of my own messaging. I, By going through this process, I learn, I grow, I become more independent. So this whole project. That's why it is the project, the John Riley project. It's as much for me as it is for you. I'm a customer of myself. I think that's cool. So I began to really kind of distill all this and I'm thinking, okay, education and empowerment of the individual, um, empowerment of people in business really kind of 
creating a, a degree of independence for people. I thought, man, what I'm doing really is helping trigger people's independence, helping cause them or help them get to a point where they can be independent. And what's the definition of independence? Not influenced or controlled by others in matters of opinion or conduct, thinking or acting for yourself. That's why I always talk about believing in yourself and self-improvement. That's independence. And it's also being an independent thinker. I pride myself in this podcast when we talk about politics that I don't line up with the Republicans and I don't line up with the Democrats. In fact, I'm a political independent. I don't belong to any party. I like to think that, you know, granted, I have my own point of view, but I like to think that I'm a free thinker. I'm of independent mind. And I don't have to go along with the, the tribe if I don't think what they're, what they're selling makes sense. You, mean, you see a lot of that in politics, right? If you're a Republican, they all kind of follow along and they all start carrying Trump banners. But if you're a Democrat, then, you know, you follow your tribe and, and, and talk about those issues that are important to you on the Democratic side. I, I don't think we have to. We, we, can, we can identify the good, the bad and the ugly in both camps. We can be independent of mind. Um, independence is also not subject to another's authority or jurisdiction. To be autonomous, to be free. That's the liberty part of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So as a business person, being free is really being self-employed. Because you're no longer working for the man. Now you're working for yourself. That's why I talk about the gig economy, because that's a step in that direction. So I began really thinking about this. And yeah, independence is a key word here. And a lot of as an as an educator, I think I have an opportunity to trigger the independence in other people, including myself. So if I do it the right way, I can help my audience, I can help you prosper both personally and professionally by providing you with the mindset, skills, and tools to play the game and win. I talk about playing the game a lot too. That's part of the reason why we have electric vehicles. Besides the fact that I love the technology and um, I love all the benefits it gives us, you know, saving the planet's kind of nice icing on the cake, but I'll tell you what, all the financial benefits to owning an electric vehicle are massive, huge. That's how we play the game. Um, to take advantage of the opportunities exist in this world that gives us an opportunity to prosper. So playing the game to win and really isn't life to a degree a game. And granted, we, we maybe play and we fail and we maybe we win or we lose, but then we start over and we recreate ourselves. We pursue new careers. We have new experiences in life. But in the end, we're trying to win the game, which is really pursuing our own happiness. So, yeah, my mission is to help trigger your independence. So you prosper both personally and professionally by providing you with the mindset, the skills, and tools to play the game and win. And that, pro that providing 
of mindset skills and tools is really the educational piece. So I'm, I'm not sure what you think about this. And granted, I'm kind of going long winded on this, but I, I kind of see that's where this thing is going. Um, it's, it's really trying to provide that kind of value to my audience that's going to help them prosper in the, both their personal and business life. If I do it the right way, not only will I be able to create products that I can monetize, like digital training courses and writing a book or whatever I choose to do, but I think I, all this rich content in the form of podcasts and blogs and video content and everything else that I'm doing, I think that can successfully also drive leads into my business, my marketing agency, from which I can prosper at that level too and monetize it at the same time. So what's my mission? It's to trigger independence. It's to trigger your independence and frankly, even to trigger my own. What do you think of that? Um, interested in your thoughts and comments, but um, I'm not fully locked in on this. I'm pretty close. Um, I've been really giving this a lot of deep thought like the last week. And as I've been really working on presenting my updated front page of my johnreillyproject.com website, this is sort of the direction I'm heading in. But again, I welcome your thoughts and comments. Okay. Um, wow. So this is episode number 244 of the John Riley Project. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. You can continue the conversation on social media. Seek me out. You can go to my website, johnreillyproject.com, or just go to connectwithjohnny.com. And all my social media links are there. All the audio podcast platforms are there. You can sign up on our mailing list there. And I welcome your, your comments and your participation Thanks for joining. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. And we'll catch you Friday at two o'clock. We'll see you later, friends. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed today's show, do me a favor, subscribe and then share it with a friend or leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Let's continue the conversation on social media. Go to connectwithjohnny.com to get links to our social media content, audio podcast platforms, and to sign up for our mailing list. To be a guest, read my blog, or get more information, please visit johnreillyproject.com to get started.